Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Primally Pure for supporting today's episode. Primally Pure is one of my favorite companies. They excel at creating safe, natural skincare products made with quality ingredients. Primally Pure has become my go-to brand for clean, non-toxic face cleansers, creams, and even home scents. I am in love with their Palo Santo collection. They are also the makers of my favorite all-natural and effective deodorant. I love their Blue Tansy one, and my husband Chris really loves their tea tree scent as well. Their deodorant also comes in lavender, charcoal, geranium, lemongrass, and unscented. They really do have an option for almost everybody out there. They also have a really great quiz on their website right now for you to find out more about your skin type and what products might work really well for you. Primally Pure has also generously offered a discount code for Elevating Motherhood listeners. Be sure to use the code LORIBETH10, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-1-0 for 10% off your first order. For a list of my favorite products and more information, head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. Thanks to Mutu System for supporting today's episode. Mutu is a medically recommended online exercise program that is designed to support mothers postpartum. And it's not just for moms who have new babies. I started using Mutu two and a half years after my third baby was born. My hip issues and unresolved diastasis recti were continuing to get in the way of my exercise attempts and everyday comfort level. I decided to do something about it and Mutu was the support I was looking for. I started to experience relief after just a week of using the program. I highly recommend it as a way to boost your strength and confidence. It's gentle, doable, effective, and you can use it at home. Buy it once and it's yours for life. And I have to be honest, I'm tempted to get back into it again because it really is a great way for me to move my body. And I love that it's so thoughtfully put together specifically for moms. There's more information over at elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Mutu. And you can hear more from the founder and CEO, Wendy Powell, in episode 41. That show is not to be missed. Go check it out. There are links and more information over at elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Mutu. M-U-T-U. Welcome to 2021. The new year brings with it a lot of talk about expectations, health, and overhauling our lifestyles and diets with goals, resolutions, and the best of intentions. And to be honest, I find all of the expectations surrounding the new year to be really overwhelming. And if our main goal in a lot of this upheaval is healthy, body, healthy mindset and healthy lifestyle. What does that really mean? I mean, what does healthy really look like over the years? I've come to believe that true health varies for each person. And the more we can learn and broaden our understanding of health, we can easily begin to apply a wide variety of perspectives, ideas, and teachings to ourselves and our own health journeys and just Find out more about who we really are and what really serves the real us. There is no one size fits all answer when it comes to our children's health, our family's health, or our own health. 
I'm really excited for the opportunity to introduce you to Hilda Labrada Gore, someone who has been very influential in my own personal health journey. In fact, her voice and work is such an everyday presence in my life and learning that I realized it's probably time I share more about her and her work with you. She is often referred to as Holistic Hilda, which is going to be another fun part of the conversation. In this episode, Hilda and I talk about the realities of modern motherhood, what holistic means, ancestral concepts of nutrition, how we can nourish ourselves and our children, intuition, connection, ideas for improving our diet and overall health, as well as myths and expectations surrounding the idea of health and wellness in our modern world. Hilda Labradagor is the host and producer of the Wise Traditions and Tradiciones Sabias podcasts. I hope I said that right. A certified health coach, she has traveled the world exploring traditional practices for optimal well being. Hilda shares the best of experts, experiences, and epic adventures on the podcast, her holistic Hilda YouTube channel, and on ancestral health tours that she leads. Hilda is also a podcast coach and the author of Podcasting Made Simple. She especially enjoys helping people in the health and wellness space launch and improve their shows. Hilda has energy to spare thanks to her love for sunshine and liverwurst. Hilda is also passionate about helping mothers nourish themselves and their children well. The grace she brings to this conversation is just what I've been searching for to set the tone for a positive, nurturing new year. Without further ado, let's welcome the adventurous Hilda Labrada Gore to the show. Aloha, Hilda. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled, Lori Beth. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so lovely of you to take the time to talk with me and my listeners because you have just been such a voice of inspiration and light in my own life through the Wise Traditions podcast, which is one of my favorites. And I always look forward to listening to new episodes and talking about them in depth with my close mom friends, my in-person friends. We appreciate all the insight that you bring us on a regular basis. And it occurred to me that I need to introduce you to my listeners. So thank you so much much. Oh, I can't wait. I have young moms on my heart. I was one Mm. once myself. So (laughs) right. Um, Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got on this holistic journey and your journey into motherhood and how you got to work with the Weston A. Price Foundation. Oh, there's so much to share. Mm -hmm. And I always like to start before I was born, actually, because that's where my story begins, Lori Beth. My mother got exposed to the German measles when she was carrying me. And the doctors told her, your child is going to be born with a serious birth defect. They suspected I would be born deaf or dumb or blind. And my mom, of course, was very concerned, but she wasn't going to abort, although there were some you know, hints that people wanted her to do that. At any mm-hmm. rate, when I was born, there was nothing visible to the naked eye, But the doctors over time started to detect a heart murmur. So basically there was a hole in my heart. I was born with a hole in my heart between the lower two ventricles and the blood was flowing in a direction it shouldn't flow in. And the doctors were like, oh my gosh, we're going to monitor your child for a number of years. And then basically we have to perform open heart surgery because if we don't, she's going to die at a young age. Can you imagine? Wow. No, I can't. I know. I think it's amazing to think about and to think of what my mom went through, of course, but then me as a kid too, I was like, oh, I'm fragile. I was, I was scared, (laughs) you know, and I, I wouldn't overexert myself because I thought, well, I have a hole in my heart. And then I'd go to the amusement parks and it would say, if you have a heart condition or you're pregnant, don't get on this ride. And I was like, I guess that's me. Like, I didn't really know what to think. But then when I was nine years old, they did open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And after that, I mean, and there's a whole story there, of course, but after that, they said to me, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, what do I want to do? And it became more and more clear what I wanted to do was take care of the body I had been given because I knew life was precious and I wanted to help other people do the same. So that kind of set the course for my life's trajectory. And I mean, there's so much more to tell, but I guess I will just tell you at first I thought, okay, what does that look like? How can I help care for my body and help others do the same? 
I'm going to become a fitness professional. And so I would teach, you know, cardio classes several times a week. And I really got into it. And I was like trying to be my strongest self. And that's great as far as it goes. But I had to switch over to another understanding of health. And that's what got me involved with the Weston Price Foundation. Mm-hmm. Sounds like your journey actually leaves you perfectly aligned with the with the mission of the Weston A. Price Foundation. That's amazing. What a, what a great mashup you guys are. That's <laughs> awesome. It has been awesome. I mean, I, I honestly, I just thought all you have to do is work out and that's good enough, you know? Mm, yeah. And then a friend of mine got very sick and she came across this group that had this emphasis on ancestral health. And she started kind of whispering in my ear, like Hilda, of course it matters what you eat. Cause I was like, just burn it off, baby. You'll be fine. You know, become a gym rat. Mm-hmm. It's all good. You know, but no, then I thought, of course, how we fuel our bodies affects our mood, how our brains function, the whole shebang. So then I was like, okay, it's food and physical fitness. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, there's more, you know, and I kept growing in my understanding of health until I took on this name, Holistic Hilda, because I realized, oh my gosh, there's an emotional component. There's a spiritual component, Mm -hmm. a psychological component and so on. Right. And I'm always trying to bring in that spiritual element too, not in a religious sense, because I think that in our modern society, the words religion and spirituality have become sort of intertwined and interchangeable. And in fact, they're not, in my opinion. And I love that the holistic approach to health does include that and just more of the whole person approach. Well, I think that through your work and what you're presenting to the world and how you're presenting it, I'd say that I would consider it to be a fresh perspective, but it does feel like the words you often use more ancient and ancestral than it is new. I mean, it's new to me, but it's like a return to older ways of living and eating. And I was wondering if you could talk a little about how your view of health differs from the diets and fads that our society has come to accept as the norm. And really, I think what I'm looking for also is your version or excuse me, your definition of what the word holistic means, because I feel like in our society, it's gotten a really unfair, bad rap. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we have a tendency to look at the body with a mechanistic point of view. And what I mean by that is this, we think, okay, I have a headache. I'm going to take an aspirin to make the headache go away. Or somebody's gallbladder isn't functioning properly. What do the doctors say? Well, let's take it out. Let's cut it out. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's like, this is wrong. Fix that thing. It's almost as if we were automobiles. Like, oh, the spark plug is malfiring. So let's get a new spark plug in there. But guess what? We're we're not machines. Mm-hmm. We're amazing beings that are so multifaceted. We're like these diamonds. And you can try to address one little piece, but it is part of a whole. And when you address that little piece, by the way, you're going to affect other bits. So I think it's really important to remember that there's much more to us than meet the eye, which is why the kind of paint by numbers way of, you know, Western medicine or conventional medicine of treating illness isn't going to help us. Because if you take something, let's just say, um, uh, some kind of medicine. I don't take any, so I don't really know, but something to lower joint pain. Let's say you're like, my knees are stiff. I know I'm 20 something, but I still got joint pain. I better take this ibuprofen or something, right? Well, that comes with a whole host of side effects, Mm -hmm. but we only, we only call them side effects. They're not just side effects. They're actually just effects. And what I mean by that is it's this medicine goes into the body. It doesn't know to just go to the knees. So it goes everywhere. And if you take too much ibuprofen and other such kind of pain relieving medications, it can be toxic or um, stressful to the digestive system, to the kidneys and so forth. So what we want to do is look at our whole self and think to ourselves, what could be the root cause? That's why I suggest a holistic approach, looking at the whole self, even looking at our relationships with others, because you might be like, oh, you know, when I think of my job, it just makes me sick to my stomach and not put that together with why you're having trouble with your digestive system. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are so complex. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at when I go by the name Holistic Hilda. It's just a kind of a hearkening back, like you said, to another way of looking at ourselves and not just buying what Madison Avenue is selling us. Mm-hmm. I hear you 100%. And I love how you 
have painted this picture for us is that we have been kind of taught to look at our bodies as if they are machines like that, like a car. But in fact, we are not that we are miracles. We are so much more than that. And and the reason that makes me feel like we are miracles is when you get a cut and it heals and you don't necessarily have to do anything, it will just heal most of the time. That's, That's a freaking miracle to me. I just can't even believe it, that our body is just so capable of hearing healing and and it does it so fast too. And I hear you about the whole health approach because I was one of those people who would just take the ibuprofen. I have been a migraine sufferer since fifth grade. And I used to think it was related to hormones and now I'm starting to see that it's related to other things that I have in my teeth. And, and there's just all these, it's like a mystery, this puzzle, this unfolding of my own personal health. And I would take Advil all the time for headaches and not think anything of it. And then I was getting chronic sinus infections for years. And at one point, one year I was taking Advil cold and sinus every single day, just so I could breathe for almost an entire year. I had nine sinus infections in one year. I was prescribed nine rounds of antibiotics in addition to taking the Advil cold and sinus every single day. And in the United States, I maxed out the amount that I could buy because otherwise I'm like in the realm of drug dealer, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so it was recommended to me. um, I, who knows who, I can't even remember who mentioned it to me, but I knew I needed to do something different when I had my own personal wake up call. I was working, um, as an assistant to a family and we were in Canada and they don't have the same laws about, um, Advil cold and sinus there. And so I bought a bunch there in Canada (laughs) (laughs) to, to get me through the rest of the year. And I put them in my suitcase and I had this epiphany moment where I was like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't take one of those pills that I bought in Canada, not one, because I knew that something else needed to change. It was this moment of like, you, I think this is going too far. You need to figure this out. So I ended up going to a naturopath and that was my first experience with a naturopath. And, um, he told me that I had a candida infection in my gut and it was like, man, um, my sinuses are hurting me, not my gut. <laughs> so what wow. are you talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I ended up doing a candida cleanse just because I knew I needed to do something different. It was supposed to be three weeks of a candida cleanse. I ate that way for three years and did not have one sinus infection after that. Oh my gosh, Lori Beth, I love that story because notice that no one was prodding you or saying, why are you taking so much Advil or why are you taking all those things? You had your own epiphany. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell the mothers listening right now who are listening to this amazing podcast, this is for you. You can trust your own intuition. You can trust your own spirit. And I think, again, in this modern day and age, we are so busy with our phones and our families and all these different things that we don't take the time to cultivate that kind of deep listening. I got to travel, Lori Beth, to Australia mm-hmm. last year, and they talked about this thing called Didiri. I met with an Aboriginal woman who spoke about Didiri, and she said, it is a practice of quiet listening and kind of a deep, deep listening to what our bodies and even what our ancestors might have to say to us. I found this fascinating. And there's a need nowadays, and I know it's hard when you've got little ones, but to cultivate that quiet moment where you can listen to yourself. Don't dismiss that intuition because that's what told you when you were closing that suitcase, something's got to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And now I'm going to add to Deary to the list of topics we're going to dive into next here on the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love it because for me personally, I know that I have found so much um, better health, improved health, um, deeper connection with my body and this feeling of being much closer to who I really am as a person by opting out of a lot of mainstream cultural messages or even um, turning to Western medicine first. Um, I'm not dismissing allopathic medicine and the the wonderful um, technology that is an x-ray that could help, you know, my child with a broken bone or something like that. But I just know that that's not my first choice for most things. And, and this um, turning inward instead of looking for outward guidance has really helped me on 
all the levels, all the levels. Well, one of the reasons I invited you here was to introduce um, more moms to the idea of Weston A. Price and all of the amazing, life-changing principles, the 11 that um, the Weston A. Price Foundation has. And I was really hoping that maybe you could maybe list them or just um, briefly talk about them so that listeners have a base for that, for what those principles are. Absolutely. And I just want to say, I agree with you a hundred percent about, you know, kind of conventional medicine, like they, the doctors saved my life. So Mm -hmm. am I thankful for them? Absolutely. But is there another approach that might sustain my life differently. And that's what I love about the Weston Price Foundation and these principles that they're not from even this doctor man who I'm going to talk about a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're from traditional cultures, the worldwide. And I think that's where that feeling of kind of connectedness and you said you feel more yourself. I, I definitely do as well, just because I'm more in touch with what nurtures life and health in my body. So um, yeah, I'll just tell a little bit about who Dr. Price is and then a little bit about these principles. He was this dentist, but not just a dentist. He was a researcher and a scientist from the 1930s who had this little clinic in Ohio and he would have these kids come in. He's treating them and just noticing like they had all these cavities and crowded teeth and poor posture and behavioral problems. And he's like, what is going on? These kids are so struggling, you know? And then at the same time, he would get National Geographic magazine. And so he'd be receiving the magazine and seeing these like hale and hearty people groups all the world over who looked amazing and had wonderful posture. They looked happy and optimistic. And it was just such a contrast. Of course, their teeth were very straight. And he was like, I've got to find these people. And I'm going to find out two things. One, if they really exist, because he could hardly believe his eyes. And secondly, if they do, what are these people eating? Mm -hmm. So he took it upon himself to travel. And I think over a period of 10 years, and it was mostly summers when he would take time off and he and his wife would go to Australia and Alaska and Switzerland and all over the place to see what these people were eating. And of course, as you can imagine, they were all eating different foods. You know, in Switzerland, it was a lot of dairy products and cheese and butter and bread. And in Kenya, it was like meat and milk and blood. And in Alaska, it was whale blubber and seal oil. You know, so it was all different everywhere. But he found some commonalities among these people groups who were still not far removed from their traditions. And of course, he did find that they were all hale and hearty, as he suspected. And this is what he found, that they weren't eating processed foods, which you're like, okay, duh, no, in that time they didn't have it. No, they still did back then. You could find foods made with a lot of flour and sugar and refined oils, but they were eating more of their traditional foods. So how I like to look at it is they weren't eating foods that had a long ingredient list. They were actually eating the ingredients. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this is a great guideline. Number one is that they didn't eat these processed foods. And number two, they ate animal products. And this kind of surprised Dr. Price because he thought he would find people who were primarily plant-based, but he did not. Now, they did have varying degrees of the amount of animal products in their diet, whether it was eggs and cheese or the meat itself and the broths, but they all had the animal products. And so, again, he just documented all this stuff. He wrote a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. So if people want to deep dive into his work, they can go look into that. But he, again, made careful notes of the foods they were eating and how their life was. And their, he said like the Australian Aboriginal people like could see farther and throw a spear farther than any white people he had ever met. Like he was just blown away by their robust vigor and strength. So anyway, the, the little characteristics of the diets go on. I'll just mention a few more. One is that they all had fermented foods in their mm-hmm. diet. Like who would have thought? Like you just think this is like a a recent thing that people are trying to get a little more kimchi or kraut into their diet, but actually they knew intuitively, again, going back to that, in their ancient wisdom that it was a great way to preserve vegetables over the winter and then that they had these active enzymes that were good for them. And if you even think about like the Germans, how they always have their their kraut and their bratwurst or whatever, like the combinations were on purpose, I think, as well, to have the enzymes that would help them digest the heavy meal and the meat, you see? So mm-hmm. it's it's fascinating the more you dig into this. But a couple of the other ones are that they all had salt in their diet, for example, which you also think, oh, well, we've been told to lower our sodium. No, salt is actually really critical for brain function. So you need your salt. It even can help you sleep when you get enough 
and I'm talking about natural, naturally mineralized salt, not like the, you know, Morton salt you would get at the store, mm-hmm. you know, you want that Himalayan or that Celtic seed salt that's going to make a difference in your diet. And I guess one of the last principles I'll share, there are 11, so people can find them on the westonaprice.org website. But the last one is really important for us, especially as moms, is that all the cultures he visited made special provision for those wanting to conceive, those in those childbearing years to eat the most nutrient-dense sacred foods possible so that they would be prepared for conception, and then as moms to nurture the baby before it's born, and then when they're lactating to nurture them as well. So they would kind of set aside fish eggs and liver and, you know, butter and things that they considered very sacred and special to make sure that those babies would have the right building blocks in utero to be the healthiest they could be once they were born. So it's just, it's fascinating stuff. And again, it's not I mean, I do credit Dr. Price with kind of coming up with these principles and and finding these truths, but it really is a tribute to the wisdom of these traditional people groups worldwide that they knew how to build their bodies well and to care for the next generation. Mm -hmm. I love his curiosity and I love the reflectiveness and ties that when I hear you talk about the different principles and the history of it and, and the types of foods and all of that, it's so interesting because I love that he's from Ohio. I was raised in Ohio. <laughs> and um, I'm always well, like, yeah. He was Canadian, actually, but he did end up in Ohio. I didn't give that bit of the story. So no, no hate to Ohio. <laughs> no shade to Ohio. Of course, he's Canadian. That's why he's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. See, there's so much that you can dive into. I'll be sure to link to the Weston A. Price Foundation's page and all the interest pages I find really interesting in the show notes as well. And Um, I come from a very uh, German based family as well and grew up on sauerkraut and all of that and, and having our own vegetables. And I love salt. And, you know, I even experimented with being a vegetarian for nine years. And when I do a reflection, like an honest reflection of that time in my life, I was the most unhealthy I have ever been. Almost like it just didn't... at the end of it, I realized it wasn't suiting my body and it wasn't serving my body. And when I switched over to a more intentional way of eating, um, I found better health. Can I add to that? I um, interviewed Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride on the Wise Traditions podcast. Mm -hmm. And she said one time, eating a solely plant-based diet is wonderful for detoxing the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why vegans and sometimes vegetarians feel like so good, especially at first they're like, this is amazing. Absolutely. That's amazing. But you do need the animal products to build the body, she said. And I found that an interesting distinction that I hadn't heard before. So that might just be something to think of. And also I, I do encourage any of who are vegetarians or vegans listening right now to do that deep listening. We were talking about to see what your body needs and craves and don't deny it if your body's asking for something more. And another principle I just want to mention that I forgot, Lori Beth, if that's okay, is the one about nutrient density. This is Mm -hmm. actually one of the most important ones that he found. Dr. Price took samples of the food of the different people groups and shipped it back to Ohio to his lab for analysis later. And what he found was that the traditional diets were so much richer. I think the they were four times richer in minerals and water-soluble vitamins than the diet of his day in the U.S. And they were 10 times uh, richer in fat-soluble vitamins, which are the A, D, E, and K, the mm-hmm. vitamins that are you will find in animal products like cheese and eggs and um, probably lard, yes, lard, and things like that that sound really weird and really rich, but they are so nutrient-dense. So what he found basically in a nutshell is that they were choosing quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that nowadays, especially if you go to Costco, we're looking Mm -hmm. for the bulk buy, you know, we're like, Hey, give me that special with a 10 bags of chips for $3 or whatever it is. And we're missing a really important principle that can help us to build our bodies the way they need to be built and to help our children as well. And I just want to segue and say, say one quick thing, and then I'll let you ask your next question. But when my kids were little, oh my gosh, I remember they would come home from school and 
they would start eating snacks. And I, I'd say, okay, here's your snack. And they'd be like, mom, can we have another snack? I, I started teasing them, Lori Beth. I'd be like, okay, for your seventh snack, what are you going to have? You know, <laughs> I wasn't totally snarky, but I was like, what is happening? Why do my kids need so many snacks? I couldn't yeah. understand it. Later, I realized, oh my gosh, I wasn't giving them anything that was nutrient dense. It mm-hmm. literally was sticks, you know, pretzel sticks or carrot sticks. There was no fat. There was no protein. And we need all three of those macros. We need carbs and fats and protein. So I, I, you know, don't hate on the kids if they're asking for a lot of snacks. It may be that they are asking you for something that they need more of too. Wow. A hundred percent. And first of all, there's a homeschool joke that like seven snacks a day is real. That's real, Hilda. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For the homeschool kids, it's like, oh, that feels like every once in a while, just because they're home and it's there and yeah. why not, you know, might as well yeah. snack. It's, it's, so there is such a thing as like seventh <laughs> breakfast. Um, yeah. Nutrient density is something that um, I've, so I've been slowly, just to give a personal example for listeners, I've been slowly applying these principles one at a time. This is going to be years of unfolding a constant like learning of myself you know I just turned 40 this year um I'm staring down the path of menopause you know and just know that some more big changes are coming my way sooner than later and nutrient density is something that I have had at the forefront of my mind this week um I won a prize at a silent auction decided to (laughs) I got a juice cleanse a one-day juice cleanse and I thought my gosh how is my I call it Weston A. Price (laughs) adjusted body going to handle just doing juice for a day. And it was like all the things it was like St. Lucia day. So I was like, Oh, well, it's like fasting, you know, like maybe there is a spiritual element to this and Oh, look at all the nutrient density. Cause I was looking through the nutrient density goggles that day. And Oh, what about this? And what about that? And I'll tell you by the end of the day, I ate food and um, I ate animal product and I ate, you know, butter <laughs> grass fed beef and, and, you know, local things. And Oh, I just felt so much better at the end of the day. And I was like, wow, this is such an interesting experiment where it doesn't have to be like a complete upheaval of my diet in order to learn things about myself. So I probably won't be trying a juice cleanse again, (laughs) Um, or at least preparing for it a little bit better rather than doing it on a silent auction whim. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Hey, and I want to share a story too, because it can get overwhelming. You hear all these things and I only quoted like six of the principles, not all 11. So you're like, what the heck? How can I start? I'm eating so different. Mm-hmm. I love your idea of taking it slow. And I'm like a type A fast girl. Like I love to get things done. I started the show like five years ago. I never look back. I'm like on it, you know, every mm-hmm. week without fail. I just love it. And I love being that kind of person. But for some reason with the diet, I guess I realized it would be too much with my four kids to like overhaul everything. So I just started with a fat. Yeah. I just started with natural fats and Dr. Price did notice that everybody had a good amount of fat in their diet. So instead of margarine or country crock or whatever I bought, which totally was a crock, but anyway, I embraced butter. My family was so happy and I was too. I didn't realize how satiating the real deal was compared to whatever else I was buying that was you know, concocted in some lab. So I started with fat. The next year I took some processed food out of the diet. And so again, just gradually started turning things around. And so it's, it's been amazing. And people have asked me like, how did your family react? They were so happy. Imagine instead of carrot sticks and pretzel sticks, they were getting like real food that was nourishing Mm -hmm. and it was powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. I just, we need those stories so that we can uh, award ourselves grace and just know and honor the fact we talk about it here a lot on the show, just the honoring the fact that we're lifelong learners and we're just always going to be learning and growing and unfolding. And we can just be super gracious as we try out different principles and apply them or, you know, one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward the next day, you know, just do that dance. Well, I am curious because I know that the moms are here for maybe some mom nutrition talk. And I'm just so appreciative that you are the one speaking into our lives about this because it seems like there's no nutrition 101 out there that we really got. Um, well, which of the principles do you wish moms knew more about in re- in regards to preconception during pregnancy and postpartum? And I know it's really tricky because I feel like principle 11 basically is all of that. But and and I'll link to more about that in the show notes. But which of the principles do you wish more moms knew about for their own health? I guess it would be um, either number 11 or number 10 that has to do with bone broth. Mm-hmm. I I think it's important to nurture ourselves. And, you know, we just act like, 
I don't know, pregnancy is kind of, we take it nonchalantly. Well, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes I know it's hard for people to conceive, but at other times it's just kind of like, okay, it's another deal. Oh no, I'm gaining weight. Well, <laughs> that's supposed to happen. Like, I think we need to um, relax a little bit. Like you said, offer ourselves grace and nurture ourselves. Know that when you're pregnant, you are nurturing another life. And that is a really big job. Mm -hmm. So don't give yourself a hard time if you can't manage the same pace as before with you know, you probably have another couple of kids and maybe you have a part-time job and there's a lot going on or you have a full-time job and then you're supposed to feed your family too and keep them dressed. And I mean, it's just a lot, right? So feel free to start saying no and um, look to nurture yourself. And the reason I mention it along with the fact about bone broth is because Bone broth is, again, something that many cultures enjoy. They wouldn't just discard their rotisserie chicken or their roasted chicken bones. They would put them in water, add a little acidic, you know, like a little apple cider vinegar or something to kind of pull more of the nutrients out of the bones and just let it simmer on the stove for 18 to 24 hours. And that's you guys, that's all it takes to make bone broth. I didn't know for a long time. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, I don't understand it. You know, you literally just put it on the stove, let it simmer low, maybe add some parsley, onions, whatever you want. And suddenly there this, there's this nourishing drink that has so much to offer you. And in a way, that's part of what makes me feel also more kind of like a natural woman, I guess, is that I'm drinking something that has been enjoyed worldwide for millennia and it's so nourishing. And um, it's got the collagen, which can help with your joints. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got also the stuff that's good for your skin. It's got glycine. And so you start to glow from the inside out. And yeah, your little one inside of you will be nurtured. Anyone that you serve it to will be nurtured. And so I guess also for postpartum moms, I want to say, um, you just had uh, this beautiful being that you delivered, like give yourself space also to just be with it and don't feel like you have to take everything on again. It's a perfect time to start saying no and let yourself recover. A friend that I interviewed on the podcast, her name is Han Oh, she wrote a book called The First 40 Days. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how it's a tradition worldwide to give yourself that space to say no, to rest. And we've lost that. I, I used to wear it as a badge of honor that I was out and about with my little, you know, three week old infant, mm -hmm. you know, by the fourth baby. I'm like, Hey, look at me. And it's like, no, don't look at you. You should be back home. <laughs> and you know, it's not, it's okay. And it's actually helpful for the body to recover. So I would say nourish and nurture and, and give yourself some grace and space. Mm -hmm. I love that. Especially the word nourishment. I really wish that that was more at the forefront of our thinking and how we take care of ourselves and what it is we're after too. Um, I love all these N words, nutrient density, nurture ourselves, nourishment, all of that. And for moms who are hesitant about bone broth, um, because they think it tastes terrible <laughs> because not all bone broth is created equal, right? There's a huge difference between the one that we make at home and then bulk ones that I bought before. And I've tried to sip it, you know, nourish myself and be like, this is disgusting. I don't really enjoy it. It <laughs> turns out there's a couple different hacks that I just recently discovered. Well, one, I cook all the rice, I cook all the noodles and everything I can, anything that's supposed to be cooked in water. I just go ahead and put, cook it in bone broth instead as the way to yep. get it into my kids. And they love, 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 um, a nice organic rice with that's been cooked in bone broth. And then I melt a ton of grass fed butter and then have the Himalayan salt on top. It's basically like their favorite thing ever. And I feel really good about giving it to them. But then there's also, it turns out, I didn't know this bone broth recipes where you can flavor them with different things. So you could do like an Italian bone broth recipe or a Mexican one, or just, I had no idea. And now I feel like really compelled to try this. Yes, that's great. We've done the same thing. We use broth for our rice and other things, and it, it's a base for soup. If it doesn't come out totally flavorful, you can just use it as a base for soup. And mm -hmm. I have to be honest, I used to get bone broth from the farm, and that's okay. Like, it's good to um, know that you can just take little steps in this direction. Like, maybe mm -hmm. even start by getting bone broth at the store. But if you do, make sure it's a brand that actually um, keeps the fat in it. You want that healthy fat that's in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like Kettle and Fire as a brand, but there are a bunch of other ones too. I think there's Bonafide and you can look around. So just take little steps and then you can get it from a farmer like I did. And then I can 
get bones now from the farmer's market and turn them into my own bone broth. So it's like a little, it's a little process, but there's nothing like that smell and having it simmering on the stove. And the other thing is, you know how people like a warm drink in the morning and some people go for coffee or tea and I'm sure that's fine, but I, I like to start my day with bone broth when I can, cause it's, it's even more nourishing and it will sustain you longer than a cup of coffee. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. I probably needed to hear that because I've been listening to my body, trying to figure out what would serve it. And I'm just such a coffee person and I make my own coffee creamer with organic um, coconut milk and then organic almond milk, combine it together, make this like nutty sort of flavorful cafe au lait. But then I get a little <clears throat> in the back of my throat a little ah. extra phlegm pr- production that you'd think would come from something like um, dairy for me um, in particular, but no, it's the coconut too. And I, I know in my heart of hearts, I need to make this shift. Um, but mm. I keep telling myself, no, you would drink coffee in the morning. So I don't know. I think that with my new um, habit of making bone broth once a week, um, I could just easily put that in a jar and heat it up too. So all right, Hilda, I hear you. I'll try it this week. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope your listeners let us know too where they are on this spectrum in terms of, you know, adopting some of these wise traditions principles or just eating more ancestrally. It doesn't have to be like follow our principles, but, and I want to say just too for a moment, this is just kind of an overarching guide. Like there's also bio-individuality, you know, if you're like, oh my gosh, dairy does not sit with well, well with me and I have gut issues or I've always had a problem. Well then definitely stay away from that. You don't have to go with the, the raw dairy and the things we recommend or, you know, definitely listen to your body. I think that's one takeaway I would advice for your listeners. Mm -hmm. See, I love that too. I really align with any organization or business or message that says, Hey, we're all individuals do what's best for you. Here's just a bunch of information, but you know, you are also welcome to analyze it on your own and apply it to your own personal life. I love that personalization so much. Well, I know that a lot of moms um, come to Weston A. Price Foundation and Wise Traditions as just people and moms trying to figure out themselves, but I think that they're also interested in how they can help support their children. And I was wondering if you could share with us what insights parents can expect from Weston A. Price and Wise Traditions when it comes to health for children. And um, I'm also personally curious as to what topics you find that parents come to you about the most. Interestingly, I focus a lot on some aspects of ancestral health that aren't necessarily part of these 11 traditions, these dietary principles, because children are really struggling with a lot of like anxiety, Mm -hmm. even depression now, and, um, you know, mood disorders and things like that and sensory disorders. And it's like, wow, how do you approach that (laughs) with diet? And of course, eating the wise traditions way will help them go far, especially, like I said, adopting more fat and protein in the diet, having more broth and more real food and the ingredients, like I said, as opposed to the food with ingredient lists. But also, what I find myself talking about and sharing with folks, and and I've heard good things about with the parents who are implementing them, are hacks like getting outside more, which may be easy for your listeners in Hawaii, but in other parts of the world, it's like cold, and this is a time of year when you don't want to be outside. But I find that it is such a mood lifter, and it is really as essential as the food that we take into our bodies for us to take in the sunshine and nature. And I think that's why in Japan, you know, they will often suggest that people do forest bathing as a prescription from their doctor. When people get depressed or discouraged, they advise for them to get out into the forest. And so we need to do the same. Our ancestors spent three quarters of their day outside mm-hmm. and we spent three quarters of our day inside. It's like the opposite. So I am convinced that we need to get more and more of that sunshine. And I've also learned that it feeds and energizes the mitochondria, which are these tiny motors inside our cells that definitely get their ATP or their energy from food, but they get more of it from the sun. So what I like to do, and now my kids are older, so I do it on my own. Sometimes they join me, but um, I get out first thing in the morning within 45 minutes of sunrise and I get to where I can see the sun on the horizon and I let it meet my eyes. I'm not saying I'm gazing at it like some you know mystic or anything, although I do like to look at it, but I look in its general direction and for 15 minutes, I let that sun 
hit my eyes, no contact lenses, no glasses, no sunglasses, for goodness sakes. And I try to get as much of my skin exposed to the sun as well. And it sets my circadian rhythm. So I sleep better at night. Mm -hmm. It helps my hormones function better. It's feeding the mitochondria in my cells. Like you won't believe what a mood booster and overall health booster this simple thing is. And with moms, I know sometimes you're waking up and you're dragging because a little one, you know, kept you up at night, whatever it was. I'm not saying you need to get up close to sunrise, although that's a really good time to go. Just get out with your kids as early as you can and make it not only a physical practice, but I will say something of a spiritual practice. When mm. I'm out there, I um, think thoughts of gratitude and I I pray for my family members when I do a little simple movements like squats or jumping jacks. And it's, it's really beautiful because moms, I remember how kind of, you know, drag through the mud you can feel in the early morning hours. And also you're just got, you've got all these demands on you, right? Your, your work might be sending you early morning emails or texts and your kids are like, mom, we need this or that. But when you start the day with any little ritual or habit of getting outside, you're starting it on your own terms before any of those other demands start clamoring at you. And it really can help the foundation of your day be solid. Whereas if you just start kind of behind the eight ball where shoot, I'm running late and I got to get this set ready for my daughter because she has her class starting soon. It's just exhausting already, right? So I really recommend getting out in nature as early as possible, even if it's, let's say, in the first morning break that your kid has from the class or whatever it is, but get out there, take your meals outside when you can, make it fun, have a picnic even in the winter snow and mm -hmm. you will be surprised the things this will do for us because we, and this is the last I'll say on this and then we'll let you get back to your questions, but we are like little mini batteries. So we need to feel the earth beneath our feet mm -hmm. and the sun above to charge us properly. And our bodies need the antioxidants that the earth gives us. That's why grounding is a thing too, because it's like these this negative charge that latches onto free radicals that would otherwise be cancer causing. And so it really stabilizes our health in a very special way, but we're going around all the time with our shoes on and we're indoors. And so we just need to flip that equation and get outside more, get more grounding and get more of that sunshine on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Hilda, all the things, all the things. <laughs> First of all, I love your answer because it really highlights how nourishment occurs outside of food. You know, mm -hmm. it's breaking through this um, paradigm of nourishment equals food. You know, we're seeing them as interchangeable. And really, there's so many other ways to nourish yourself and nourish your kids. And here on the show, it'll be no surprise to listeners. I have even an episode called Nature-Based Motherhood. Um, we follow a homeschool curriculum that's nature-based and really giving my kids that foundation from the beginning and the power of sitting outside. And your suggestion of getting out early and getting that morning sun, I actually personally utilize that at the beginning of all this lockdown stuff because I was finding myself stressed and not knowing what to do. And then also feeling stuck at home, but I didn't want to feel like that as we were all trying to sort through how we felt and what we quote unquote should be doing. So instead I got got up and went outside and sat with my face to the sun and was just warm by the sun, which is like particularly magical here on Maui because we live up the side of Haleakala, the volcano. And so it takes a little bit longer for the sun to come up. And once it um, peaks and goes over the top of the volcano, there's just nothing like it. It just, it's just wild. And I, so I was like, well, we, I have the blessing of experiencing this every day. Why am I not doing that? And so I started doing that. And then my neighbor who walks his dog, he noticed and kind of wondered what I was doing. And I explained it to him and said, you know, and you're out here getting the morning sun too. It's good for our health. And he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He and I have talked about it since then, you know, just all the things, my gosh. And Oh, it was such a blessing for me to do that. And then I go outside too and do something very similar with what um, I call water and worship. So I'll turn on my worship music and water my garden and water my plants and, and just kind of zone out in a really positive way as best I can. And, you know, I haven't been doing it the last couple of weeks because of all the holiday stuff and all the extras and just end of the year stuff and goal setting and wrapping up and, 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 and all the things, Never mind the, the four kids that are in my house right now. And it's just been a lot, but I, I do recognize that I need to prioritize that water and worship time, whether it's at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. And I don't know if you've seen um, that mini sort of documentary that was going around on Instagram called The Inside Generation. Have you seen that? 
No, I didn't see that. I'll see if I can find it and try to send it to you because it basically described our generation of kids and just us too, as if we were being presented in a museum years from now. And we were referred to as the inside generation. And they highlighted things about how we spend most of our time inside and all of that. And watching it, it seemed kind of terrifying. And then also when I watched it a second time through the lens of, okay, how much of this is dramatized? You know what? They weren't lying. Oh my goodness. No, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one reason people are depressed during this time, apart from the general sense of fear, Mm -hmm. is a disconnect from nature. And I think also our fear is turned up because we're disconnected from understanding our bodies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Weston Price Foundation has some alternative views, and I'm not going to go into it too much, except to say our bodies are more resilient and able to manage what they face than we know. Mm -hmm. So people, again, need to do that that deep, intuitive listening and understanding to capture what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I've interviewed Dr. Zach Bush, and I've interviewed others who've suggested, as I have, that our need to um, improve our health or shore up our health is interconnected with the need to be connected to the planet and nature. Mm -hmm. I love that, Hilda, because in my last episode of of 2020, I mentioned that the theme of connection comes up all the time, even if we're talking about, you know, homeschool or CBD or anything. And then you literally specifically said, you know what it comes down to is connection. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's wild. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I do want to um, talk with you about myths um, and busting through, you bust through myths all the time, I feel like. And that's how I describe um, your work with health and nutrition and all of that. Are there any mainstream nutrition or lifestyle myths that have really surprised you over the years that are that are accepted? And I'm also wondering if there are any myths or messages or misconceptions that you wish would just disappear overnight? Oh, that's a great question. I Oh, there, there are so many that are floating around out there. I hardly know where to start. But I guess I would say I think it's a myth and it's a kind of societal pressure too that we need to have the most ripped, defined bodies mm-hmm. ever, you know, no matter what age and stage. And do I want to be ripped and defined and strong? Yes, but I don't have to meet someone else's expectation. And I guess... I, and maybe I was, I spoke too soon when I said, I want to be ripped and defined. Mm-hmm. I want to be as strong as I can at, at this age. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I want to nurture health in myself, but why can't health be soft and warm and, and yes, even nurturing. Like, I think we just buy into these images that are artificial and constructs that keep us constrained rather than free. If we want to be strong by climbing up trees or even going to a gym or whatever, more power to us. But what if we don't want to be that way or have to be that way? You know, like it really bothers me when I hear messages about like getting back into our pre-pregnancy genes, you know, getting our pre-pregnancy body back. And I'm like, our body never left. Our body is still there. So I don't like where society pushes us with all those images. And I just want to tell the moms right now, you be you and be strong. Yes. So that you can do what you want to do, but don't feel like you have to fit into a certain mold that society or different, you know, Hollywood celebrities are trying to get you to fit, you know, that whole like, Oh, look at this woman. She's 50 years old and she just looks amazing. You're like, I don't even look like that at 23. You know what this is. So that's making you look down on what your body has done and look at what your body has done. It's given you a baby. You know, your body has served you well. Like instead of looking at your legs and thinking, why is there cellulite? What about thinking, look at these legs, how they serve me so I can walk around the block with my family. You know, let's, Mm -hmm. let's stop hating on our bodies and forcing them to be something they weren't meant to be and accept where they are. and try to just strengthen them where they are. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. I needed to hear that message. I know so many of my listeners needed to hear that message because it is not the mainstream and there's just so much freedom in what it is you're talking about. Oh, I just love it. I love it. And um, uh, getting to know ourselves better and honoring and respecting ourselves. And it's so much easier to nourish the body that you have when you accept the body you have instead of trying to nourish the body that you wish you had, I guess. Yes. And I remember I had my first child in September and it was December and my husband for Christmas gave me some dresses and I tried one on and I left the room in tears Mm -hmm. because I couldn't 
I couldn't get in it and it didn't feel the same. And I know we're all hormonal <laughs> after we have our kids and, oh, you yeah. know, for a number of years after too, um, you know, so that certainly played a part, but I think I had a, an unrealistic expectation of where I should be, you know, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. that affected my perception. Mm-hmm. Something my- else we do on the show too, is look at our expectations. <laughs> big time and just constantly examine them. Um, not necessarily with judgment, just examining them and seeing where they are in our lives and where we can probably let go of some. <laughs> so good. And it's so wonderful because when we let go of them for ourselves, then we're more able to have compassion and let go of them for others as well. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, you handle mainstream opinions about your opt-out way of living with such grace. And I'm hoping that you can speak into our lives and possibly offer advice for moms who find themselves faced with differing opinions from either family, friends, or strangers when they make non-mainstream decisions for their family. Because I can tell you there are many of us who need some encouragement in this area. Well, I think part of our response to others comes from where we're at on any given day, right? Mm-hmm. If if the fourth kid has gotten on our nerves all day long, we're going to snap when someone gives us a hard time at the grocery store or what have you, you know, so that um, it varies. But what I would say is this, if we, as I said earlier, start the day in a grounded um positive habit, that will set the tone for what happens next. So yeah, for me, that does include, you know, reading my Bible. I have a gratitude journal. I do different things that help get me in the right space so that I can meet the challenges of the day, whether it's, you know, a judging side eye from someone or what have you with more grace. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying I do it all the time perfectly, but I want to be in a space that's positive and loving. And so I need to help create that space. I think Dr. Zach Bush on one of the podcasts I had on said that we're in a way co-creators of our reality. Mm -hmm. So right now I could be, you know, annoyed at the person in front of me if they're going too slow and I'm driving, trying to get somewhere, or I could say, Hey, maybe I need to slow down too, you know? And so I need to look at everything with a different with a, a paradigm of positivity, because I, it's not toxic, although some people have called me that. They'll say, oh, you and your toxic positivity. I'm like, I would mm-hmm. rather have toxic positivity than toxic negativity mm-hmm. any day, you know? So I want to bring that. So I need to have ways to get that. So it, it starts with how I begin my day with certain habits. And again, getting outside is a part of that. Prayer is a part of that and so on. And then I need to find touch points throughout the day, or I might lose those, those positive vibes, right? So mm-hmm. I'll have a, a verse or a thought that I have that I'll look to in the middle of the day. And um, again, things that help center me, I'm not in front of the screen 24 seven, because I will just take a moment to say that the waves and the light that we get from our devices um, is a different kind of vibration and frequency and it interferes with how our bodies function. So mm-hmm. we have to do our best to put technology in its place and not let it suck us in. So um, there's so much I could say, but I would say look to start your day positively and look to uh, find ways that get you screen free so you can actually think for yourself and and create the space you want to be in so that you can then not be just reactive, but be proactive when you're um, kind of feeling condemned or judged by those around you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I love um, what you're talking about with the devices and screens and stuff like that, because part of my experimenting, like when I was talking about the juice cleanse, I'll just refer yeah. to it as the juice cleanse experiment. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I will look at that too, when it comes to my screen usage. So if I feel like I'm on my screens a lot, or I'm on social media a lot, I will spend a day putting it away and seeing if my attitude changes or my attitude toward my children or my mood, especially. Um, and I'll just kind of play around with it and see how it affects me. And so far on all my little personal experiments, I have found that too much screen time and too much social media absolutely do negatively affect my mood and how it is I show up and interact with the people who matter most to me, which is my kids and, and, the, and my husband and the people who live with me. So I, I think that 
you have also, in just the most loving, supportive way, gently encouraged us to take responsibility um, for our interactions with and these connections with people who might poo-poo our ideas or say, oh, opting out is dangerous or, you know, all the messages that kind of come across mm-hmm. our way. And I, I love this idea of being a co-creator of our reality because it is very empowering and helps us step into our power and our role in these connections. Mm-hmm. Even, oh my gosh. I feel that so strongly. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that came across. Oh yeah. Big time. Oh yeah. Big time. That's what I heard you say. And I actually really like that because, um, every once in a while, I think it's really easy for me to ignore my power and my contribution to a situation. Um, we're definitely not encouraged to do that in our mainstream culture. <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm always looking for resources to share with parents and wise traditions is one of my favorites. And obviously the Weston A. Price Foundation and uh, the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook, which is absolutely amazing. Do you have any other favorite health, wellness, or parenting resources that you'd like to share with us? Well, I mentioned it earlier, but I really do like Han O's book, The First 40 Days. It is amazing. Did I mention it earlier? You did, and I wrote it down, and I'm writing it down a second time. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's fantastic about the importance of nourishing yourself well, especially in the postpartum period. Um, I also like the, I think it's called the Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care that Sally Fallon-Morell co-wrote with Dr. Tom Cowan. But what you said earlier is worth mentioning again, Lori Beth, that um, not only does too much screen time affect our mood, but our children are watching us, Mm -hmm. right? So if they see us ignoring their needs for looking at something that's not even real, but it's a device in our hands, like that's not where you want to be. So maybe always have, and this is something you can start when your kids are little, like have a, a time and a place when you know, they're on their screens and you're going to be on, but it's only 30 minutes so that you hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. And then they see you living life. I used to tell my kids when they were little, we're going to live life, not watch it. And so I really limited their screen time. And now they thank me. They're like, oh my gosh, mom, thank you so much. We don't know all the cultural references, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they don't care because they're empowered. They're living into their power because they're actually living. They're not addicted or mesmerized by things on, you know, shiny objects, shiny devices, but they're living their lives in a very empowered way. And I'm really thankful. And they're thinking for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. We have a no entertainment rule in our house. Um, It's just sort of like this unspoken rule where we believe in creation over entertainment. Um, So we're never looking to be entertained, Um, whether that be through shows or, you know, us entertaining our kids or anything like that. Cause that's something I hear parents talk about a lot too, is like, Oh, it's so exhausting entertaining my kids. Well, we <laughs> took it completely off the table. We are not going to entertain our kids, but we'll interact with them. And a lot of yes. times that, um, has led to creation instead. So we write or we read, um, and we don't even necessarily read for entertainment. We read for connection. So when entertainment is just off the, off the table and, um, my kids don't need the reminder, I need the reminder. <laughs> oh, that is so beautiful. I love that you're doing that. It, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Gosh, we have learned so much. We and I have learned so much from you and I cannot wait for these show notes. They're just going to be jam-packed full of awesome information. And I know that mo- some moms are going to feel motivated to get started and start making changes today. Where do you recommend moms start their path to improved health and well-being in our modern world? Is there a certain topic you recommend they research? search first or, or an area that they, you recommend they focus on first? Three foods. We already mentioned them, but I'm going to mention them again. Broth, definitely look into broth. And, and like I said, start wherever you are. If you need to buy it at the grocery store, that's great. Just get moving in the direction of including more broth in your diet. Butter, because that is just a wonderful fat with vitamins A, D, and K, which are just phenomenal for your health. And then bacon. I don't think we mentioned bacon, but Mm. (laughs) um, I just love it. And again, pay attention to what works for your body, but it's got the protein and the fat, and it's just so satiating. And I'll never forget when I first started the podcast, a podcast editor friend of mine would listen to the shows and edit them. And he was like, you're telling me bacon is a health food? I'm like, yeah, bacon is a health food. He was so happy from then on. (laughs) And again, you know, try to 
kind of upgrade a little bit. Don't get just the Oscar Mayer brand or whatever, you know, look for one that's nitrite and nitrate free, or maybe naturally has those or get it from your farmer's market. We get ours from the farmer's market and it just tastes so amazingly heavenly good. So again, just make little steps in the direction of these three B's. And then I would say, lastly, be brave. Like, be brave. Don't be afraid to buck conventional wisdom Mm. because one reason everybody wants you to do the same thing is because they feel a sense of approval when you do. In other words, like, okay, we're all doing the same thing. And it feels kind of threatening to the status quo if you do something different. Mm -hmm. But be brave. Don't be afraid if your kid is going to go to a party to say, you know what, I'm going to give my child a sweet treat before he goes made with honey and coconut flour, let's say, you know, instead of having him eat the birthday cake or let your kid eat the birthday cake and then he'll tell you later how his stomach hurts and you can help him put two and two together. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to buck the status quo because there is uncharted territory ahead for all of us. And if you are brave, it will teach your family to be brave and yes, to own your power, as we've been saying. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I love the birthday cake example, especially. I think you're on Maui. We just do things very differently. And that's sort of just almost expected at a lot of parties here that if your kid, you know, you eat differently or whatever, you're just bringing your own yeah. cupcake. Or, you know, I try to accommodate different things too. And I don't see it as a burden or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to do this. Instead, I, I, I appreciate the challenge. And I also love the idea that I can provide um, something nourishing and um, appropriate for that person's body and, and help them celebrate with us because the whole point is connection and us being together. And it's not a burden or, or terrible or, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, or this is just so extra. No, not at all. Not at all. It's actually, there's different ways to look at it that don't have to be so offensive, if you will. And I Mm -hmm. guess I would just also remind listeners of what I say often too, is that, you know, my choice to parent or live or eat a different way is not a commentary on the parenting, eating or living of others, you know? Excellent. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Hilda, this is awesome. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you more. Where can they find you? I'm on Instagram and parlor at Holistic Hilda. And they can also come to my website, holistichilda.com. I have a free PDF that's how to boost your health right now. I think it's three ways to boost your health right now and includes some of the things we've talked about, but also hacks that have nothing to do with diet. Oh, that's so awesome. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. And do you have any new projects that you're working on? Oh, funny you should ask. Yes, I'm working on a book. Um, Yeah, because it's going to be a little bit like a is it Tim Ferriss's tools of Titans where he like quotes all the people he had on his show. I'm going to take like the best practices of people I've had on the wise traditions podcast and put them into a book. And it's going to have like 10, maybe at the most 12 chapters. Cause I want it to be really easy to manage. I don't know if you've seen tools of Titans, but it's like huge. <laughs> You're like, where do I start with that? So I'm always going to have just like I do on the show, actionable takeaways so people can start taking steps in the right direction of improving their health. So I'm really excited about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also working on a podcasting course. So if anybody is in this health space and they want to start a show or improve their show, I'm going to have some resources for that as well. Oh, amazing. Hilda, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for all the ways you showed up for us today and all the encouragement and light you spoke into our lives. I really appreciate you. Lori Beth, it's been so special and I can't wait to come to Maui and visit you and hang out and do that water and worship thing. I'm in. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Hilda. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.